Well, we start this uh, fall. It's one of those times that I love as a pastor because uh, in Estes Park, we're busy in the summertime. Everybody's out working, and we kind of disconnect, and we come back together, and it's a, it's a great thing, and uh, we get to see ministries come back alive, and, and uh, uh, families kind of start meeting together a little bit more. It's, it's an incredible time, but as we get to that uh, change of seasons and all that, sometimes it's good for us to take a, a look at, you know, what's, uh, what's happening in our life so we can step into the next season with some uh, confidence and, and with some purpose. And, and uh, so as I was praying for you, I mean, it's been about, uh, I think it was seven months ago, eight months ago that uh, the staff came together and we were thinking about what would be a good message or sermon for this. We prayed for, uh, uh, you know, God's direction on it. Uh, what really struck the staff, and uh, you know, definitely part of that, was that uh, there is it, times in our lives, especially this culture right now, where we find that we're n- our culture isn't engaging in the world, uh, the, the life that God wants us to have. And oftentimes, what we find is that we miss out on the real living that God has, not because He doesn't have good things for us, but because we've been checking out. And wanted to see, does God's Word have some help with that? Uh, because escapism is a real thing. I think you, if you look at uh, most of the, the studies, Barna, Pew, all those other research things, you know, they talk about how right now more uh, people in the Western world, especially younger ones, are feeling uh, anxious. Uh, the anxiety is kind of off the charts in the amount of uh, uh, disorders that we have uh, even with that. We have loneliness, that Americans feel more lonely now than at any time in, in history, and the younger generations are feeling more and more lonely than even the older ones. Like they don't even have anybody that they know. There's a sense of, of, of lack of purpose, and uh, you ask um, or despair. Uh, I think it was a few years ago that Pew came out with that great study that talked about how most uh, Americans right now don't have anything that they really feel that they can live for. There's not a meaning or purpose in their life. And, uh, and that has an effect on us. Psychologically, it does. And it seeps into our, our, our lives. I think it's important that we have this, this transitional time. We look at, uh, uh, if we go through the fall, it's important for us then to say, what does God have for us? Is this really what we're supposed to be in? Is, or is, why is it that we have all this anxiety? Why is it that we have this aimlessness in our culture? And is, is there something that God can help us uh, with so we don't have to live that way? And th- the answer is fortunately yes, that God has called us to be more than just uncomfortably numb, that he's caused us and he's built us and he's designed us and he made us uh, to come together and to live lives of great purpose and of great meaning in the joy of his kingdom, which we spent all summer talking about, the security and, and the joy of that kingdom. And so this series is going to be about that. How do we escape the escapism that has trapped so many? And maybe we even find ourselves, and I'll tell you, I was very convicted in writing this sermon uh, series because I found myself lost in escapism. <laughs> and the more I was, the, the daunting it became, the more I wanted to escape. But but there's freedom on the other side, and to live purposefully is a powerful thing. So for this series, our anchor verse is going to actually be part of what we'll be studying today. It comes to Ephesians 5.15 that says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Now I'm going to encourage you all to memorize that. And so to help you do this, there's on your connection card, there's that little 
that little uh, memory verse card that's perforated on the top. I encourage you to tear that off, take that with you. And on the back side, there's just the first letters of every word so you can kind of test yourselves and learn how to memorize this. Because there's power in God's word. It becomes a filter for our mind and our thinking. And in a couple of weeks, we're going to be meditating on this. And it's going to be, uh, but the central truth that we're going into is how to have these wise lives, not as unwise, right? Now, how to live lives that aren't purposeless, but that are purpose-filled. And scripture teaches us how to do that. So let's first begin with, what is escapism? Because if we're going to escape it, might as well know what it is. Escapism is avoiding reality through distraction. That's what it is, right? That's, so when we... There's the real world that happens, and then if I don't really want to handle that, I'm going to distract myself with anything. So it's a fairly broad thing, but escapism really is what you do to escape. So it's, uh, intellectually, it's not a difficult concept. I think it's something that we're all very well aware of. But the thing is, is that escapism can be all kinds of things. I mean, most clearly, and I think historically, it's been shown to be things like drunkenness and drug abuse and things like this that people check their minds out. But it could be all kinds of things. I mean, I think probably one of the, the biggest prisons for us is this little device right here, right? It's, it sucks our time and our energy and our thoughts away, but also it could be, it could be television, right? It could be movies, it could be books. It, it could be things uh, like sleep, right? Whatever we're going into to escape the world, to escape our lives, I don't have to think about it. Whatever I'm distracting myself from reality of, that is escapism. So the natural question is, well, does, that sounds like a lot like rest. Because most of the times that we escape in life, we think to ourselves, I'm so tired. I'm so exhausted. I'm just going to give myself a little mental break. That's why there's mobile games, right? That's why there's Facebook and those things, uh, the, 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 those apps that we go into. Because we want to give ourselves just a little break, a little rest. That's why we would go and, and, and just escape into you know, this, uh, uh, a different world for a moment. But rest is not escapism. They're very, very different. They look a lot the same, and they can even be the same activities, but they have a very different effect, which is why we have to look very carefully then at how we're living. See, the, the same activity could be that you could use sleep to rest, or you can use sleep to escape. How do I know the difference? Well, rest is restorative. If I'm sleeping to get restored, then I'm going to get tired of sleeping at some point. I'm going to be all filled up on sleep, however that works. I'll be sleeping, I'll be in my bed, and then all of a sudden my eyeballs will pop open and my body will say, no more sleep for you, Aaron. You've got enough sleep. And what I'll want to do is get out of bed because I'm restored. Escapism is there's never enough. I go into bed not to restore but to escape the world. And that pillow becomes a refuge for me and the last thing I want to do, and I could lay in bed for, for hours upon hours or even an entire day, right? I could rot in bed and it would never be enough. It's the same thing. I mean, like uh, if uh, you use your, your mobile device or whatever, you want to just rest your mind for a second and you, you play like a mobile game and then just to kind of reset yourself. And then you would have played maybe a level and then you're like, I am restored. I have enough. I don't have to keep doing this. I can put it down and not think about it because now I'm engaging the world. But escapism is I will never stop. I will never stop the scroll. The scroll never has enough. Does that resonate? 
You see the difference. If, I, if I'm eating to be rested, I'm eating to be fueled, I'll have a meal and I'll sit down and I'll enjoy that meal. And at some point, my body says, Aaron, you have had enough food. You can stop now. And I'll want to get up from the table and I'll want to go live life. But if I'm using food as an escape, there'll never be enough. It's always going to be one more Twinkie in front of me. Just never enough because I'm not there to be restored. I'm there to escape. So we have to be very careful how we live. Because anything can be a, an escape. Even relationships. I've even discovered when I was going through this, I was using the Bible as an escape. That's kind of scary. I was writing this very sermon. And I didn't want to write this sermon. Because it was tired and there was other things happening in my life. And I thought, well, I could just read one more chapter of scripture. I'll just read one more. I knew I, this wasn't for Aaron's edification. This was for Aaron not having to do with the work that Aaron knew that he had to do. And I was procrastinating. You can use anything to escape. How can you tell the difference? If I'm resting, I'll be restored. I'll engage in life. I'll be, there'll be a point that I've had enough. If I'm escaping, it will never fill me. It will always drain me. And by, when I'm done with it, I'm going to feel overwhelmed. I'm going to feel less empowered to be able to handle the reality that I tried so hard to escape. That's why escapism is a trap. It, it tells us, do this thing. You're exhausted by life. The world is so crazy, you feel overwhelmed by it. Just escape from it for just a little bit. But then it saps us from the very energy and the ability to be able to address that reality. So when we come out of the escapism, it's even worse. So what do we want to do? Escape all the more. And that's why we get so stuck in it. And that causes anxiety, doesn't it? And that causes feelings of guilt or shame, of, of aimlessness, of feeling like I'm not living for any purpose because the world becomes intimidating, becomes terrifying. It becomes something that I cannot handle. But God... He didn't design us for that. See, the dangers of escapism is it steals our life. I know this seems like a light series, right? Because it was designed originally to be a light series because we came after a very heavy series through the summer, the Sermon on the Mount, right? All the deep doctrine and theology that causes all that great conviction and, and, and holy living, right? And then I wanted, I love you, so I wanted to do something that would be more practical and light. And then I realized we're escaping death. Like it's that, that this world is designed to draw our, our very life force right from us, our, our joy right from us. It's, it's designed to just suck us dry like a giant vampire. And God says, be careful how you live because there's evil out there. But he's got good things for us. So the danger of escapism is it causes us to feel the very things that makes us want to escape. It makes us hate the life that God has given us. It makes us feel overwhelmed. It makes us feel hopeless. It makes us feel exhausted. And I don't want to live that. I don't want you to live that way. We just came after summer where you're all working really, really hard, and I'm sure you're tired. And I want you to be able to rest, but not escape so we can engage in the real life God has for us. Because when we're escaping, we're numb for a moment, but uncomfortably so, because we know somewhere deep inside of us that this is, there's, there's stuff I got to do out there. And, and, and we shouldn't be living like this, dreading life. Life is a gift. And here's the thing. Escapism doesn't stop bad things from happening. 
when we escape, we're like ostriches that put their head in the sand, which I've never actually seen, but I hear that they do this. That if they get worried about something, they stick their head in the sand. But then the bad things, I don't even know what would kill an ostrich, a giant tarantula or something, I don't know, would come along and still kill it. And it's the same thing in our life. When we escape, bad stuff still happens. It doesn't help us, and we know that while we're escaping. We need to be prepared and ready to live the full life that God has given us with the purpose that God has designed us to live, with the power that God has given us to live that life. In order to do that, we're going to have to live, be very careful how we live. So if you have your Bibles, you know the Word of God actually teaches us something about how to do the, escape this escapism, how to live with purpose. It's actually got direction for us. I would like you to turn to Ephesians chapter 5, right? We're going to be uh, verse 15 and on, and uh, let me give you some context. There's a reason why the Holy Spirit put these passages where he put them, right? Right before this in Ephesians, this wonderful letter that God had the, uh, the Holy Spirit inspired the Apostle Paul to write to the church at Ephesus about Christian living. You have this section where he's warning us, don't live the, 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 the sinful life. Don't keep living according to the flesh. Don't keep living like, like everybody else in this world does. You've been redeemed from that. God's kingdom has a better way, like what Jesus talked about. It. He fulfilled the law. The law is being fulfilled in us. He says, don't keep living that way. If you keep living according to the flesh, the evidence of that's going to be obvious, and there's some misery that goes with it. And then right after this, there's a section that really talks about how we live the Christian life, starting with the most important place in the Christian life, the family. How is it practiced in the real world? So how do we get from the warning not to live this sinful way to a way of living a purpose-filled life and, and the reality of where we are, especially in our homes? Well, it's like there's this little section there that God said, here's a key. This is going to be really important. If you want to go from dead living to, to purposeful living, here's some stuff to help. And that's where we're at. So Ephesians 5, 15 through 20, uh, this is what it says. It says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but instead be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So how do you escape escapism? In that passage, there are several things where the Holy Spirit really guides us into stuff that we can put into practice. And the first thing we want to do is we got to be able to worship God, right? You saw that in there, sing songs, hymns, right? It's, It's all about worship, right? And so we want to be able to worship God, center our lives around Him. You notice that escaping escapism was taking the focus off of me and my life. Did you see that in there? The the days are evil. Are we supposed to look at the evil days? No, no, no. Remember who God is. Remember that He's called you, made you. That we're supposed to encourage each other, reminding each other of, of this amazing God who is real and part of our life and who He is. But worship is not just song, right? Worship is whatever our life revolves around. It's like the, the earth worships the sun. And Scripture tells us there are important ways that we're to worship God. And the first is time. And that's what it says right here, is, is to make sure we're living our lives well because the days, the time, it's, it's an evil thing. We have to make sure that, that we're spending the time that God has given us wisely. How do we center 
our lives around God when it comes to the time that he has given us so we don't squander it away going through TikTok videos. Well, the first thing we want to do is to be intentional. This is what it tells us to do. Be very careful then, it says, how you live. That's intentionality. Like, no one is very careful as they're being clumsy, right? No one's very careful to be absent-minded. When you're very careful, you are very, very intentional. You're paying attention to something. And I love how God designed this, he constructed the sentence even in what he tells us, because the verb there, to be careful, we don't know exactly what it's attached to. It could be that we're supposed to pay careful attention, be very careful, pay very close attention to how you live. Or it could be pay attention that you live very carefully. It could be either. And if you go and study this, you have theologians on both sides that like to you know, debate over it. Well, I have an idea. Maybe God made it ambiguous because it's both. Shouldn't we be very careful to pay attention to how we live? And shouldn't we be careful to live really intentionally? Yeah, I think both of those work. You see, if we're not intentional in our life, we will want to escape. I remember, and I'll put this in financial terms, before Amy and I got a budget, I was always worried about money, right? Because I wasn't intentional with it. I would just hope that I'd have enough. And sometimes we did. And sometimes we didn't. Because I would spend, so you'd be like, okay, do you want to spend money on this? Well, maybe. I wasn't intentional. But here is the thing. It made it impossible to save up for other things. It was frustrating. But when I got a budget and I started to be intentional, it's amazing how stuff started to come together. It was the same way, let me tell you, when I started to make a schedule with my time. I felt so convicted by God that I was supposed to be keeping a Sabbath. Not a, you know, a legalistic kind of Sabbath where I'd sit in a corner and hymn, you know, songs, of, uh, you know, things like this. And that wasn't what it I wanted to just rest. And I wanted to do that. But I didn't budget my time. I wasn't living intentionally. I would just go through my week. And if I had enough time left over, then that's where I was going to rest in. Well, guess what? Sometimes I had time and sometimes I didn't. And so what happened is, is I wasn't getting rested. And I was going to get exhausted. And the more exhausted I got, the more I wanted to escape life, which made me less intentional with how I lived, which made me more exhausted. It was a bad way of living. You know, the most simple thing around this to be very careful is I started budging my time. That is a schedule, and it sounds so nerdy, but it is so powerful that I gave purpose to each day. And it's not just time management, it's task management, because I am what's known as a chronic procrastinator. I can even use the Bible to procrastinate, right? And so in order to break myself of this living according to the flesh, which is, has horrible fruit to it, I had to learn how to, to manage my tasks in the time that God gave me. And at first it was a miserable, just like making a financial budget. I was horrible at it. But I started to think through, what are the things I'd have to do each day? And do you know what, who always paid the price for me being non-intentional? was my family, who incidentally is what Scripture talks about next, how we're supposed to have that as our first priority. Isn't it amazing how living unintentional lives keeps us from doing the most important things? Every time, it's not you accidentally stumble into just wonderful time management. If 
if we're not thinking about how we're living and what we're putting our energies to, if we're not very careful how we live, then our life just gets squandered. And here's what I've discovered. I've done 20 years now. I've done a lot of uh, funerals. No one has ever gone up there and said, you know, their only regret of this person was that they didn't make that next level on Candy Crush. I've never had that. You know, that's on their deathbed saying, you know, I wish I just would have watched that other TikTok video, right? Because I, I stopped and I just wondered what would have come next. No one's ever said that to me. But I have had people tell me, I'm so glad that I have spent time with my children or my grandchildren or my friends. I'm so glad I spent this time. But what meant most to me in my life was how I did this ministry and I served others. I made this impact where they live with purpose. Well, that doesn't just happen by accident. We have to be intentional. Be not just careful, very careful. And if you were like me or had no idea how to do a budget of your time, how to, to time manage, there are some really great resources out there. And, and you could come talk to me afterwards, but just go do a search, right? Time management and task management. You can learn these skills, and they will help you live an intentional life. The second thing we need to do is not just be intentional. We've got to be discerning because you can schedule dumb stuff in your schedule if you want to. You can make the wrong tasks the most important tasks if you're not thinking about it. It says, be very careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. And you remember one of the great things that we get being part of God's kingdom is that we have the ability to judge rightly, that God gives us priorities, not what would be my priority, but God's priorities in my life. Those are the things that really lead to a full life. You see, when I do my task in time management, when I think about, if you go into my office, even now, you'll see this little leather-bound book that's got my schedule, and it's got all these little tasks, that things that have to get done. Do you know so many of those tasks, when I pray through them, I'm like, this really isn't important? I came down to, a, there was a, one of the teachings that I came to, taught me how to put my tasks onto a, a quadrant, because I'm a nerd, and this quadrant has got these two halves, columns, and two rows. And the columns are, this is something that is important or not important, right? And they got urgent and not urgent. So if something is urgent and important, it's like, you know, you, you, you cut off your arm or something and you got to go to the emergency room. Now, that's important and urgent. If you don't do something about that, you got problems, right? You got to do something now, right? But then there are things that are not urgent but important, they could be like doing your taxes, unless you're right now don't have your taxes done. Now that's urgent and important. But if you do them, you know, at the beginning of the year, that's important, but it's not urgent. You're not losing sleep over it. But then there are these things that are not important, urgent. You know what that is? That's the next TikTok video. You feel compelled. It's, they designed the algorithm to hack your brain to chemically make you want to feel like you have to view the next thing. It's urgent. I got to do it. But do you really? No. And then we have the not urgent, not important things. Like I'm not even under compulsion. I'm just, I'm just wasting my time doing this stuff. What could that be? I don't know. Maybe whatever you use to escape. You know, when I found that I'd, I'd put my time in this, you know what most of my time was spent with? Urgent and important things. You know why it was all urgent and important things? Because all crisis, because I didn't handle them in advance where I should have done. I was doing my taxes last minute. That's just how I lived my life. So I was always harried, 
always worried. I started to feel like my stomach was always hurting because I had all these big things. If they didn't get done, then you know, the sky would fall, and it might. There would be bad consequences. But you know what my second most used one was the not important but urgent, where I felt like I had to do this stuff. People asked me to do things, and I realized that I really didn't need to. And as I examined those things, I recognized there was a lot of stuff in my life I was able just to cut out. And all the not urgent, not important stuff was easy to eliminate because I didn't even feel like I had to do it. I was just doing it. I was just wasting my time. But to be very careful meant I had to put down on paper what I was, how I was living my life. And I have to continue to do that, right? Every month I go down and I look at my thing. And it's amazing how we fill our lives with pointless junk. And we do all these pointless tasks that have no impact on things. Or we get so busy doing those things that the important stuff doesn't get done to the last minute and then we feel all panicked. Be discerning. Look at how you're spending your life because it is a gift from God. And how you're spending your time matters. I know that this doesn't sound spiritual, but it's very spiritual. How you spend your life matters. Be very careful then how you live. As we do that, um, I think one of the things we can ask to discern is it, is it, uh, is this a wise way of living or not? Is it important or not important? Is, well, am I doing anything to really feed the spirit? Do you know what God says is an important thing to do? Rest. Rest is a very important thing. So important that God put it in the top ten commands. He's like, hey guys, here's something that you're going to hate to do. Take a day off. Why? You need to be refreshed. Do you have time in your schedule to not always have your nose to the grindstone because you are not a slave? Remember, we can put money in its place. We live according to God's kingdom. Are you resting? Are you enjoying life? Do you have that bandwidth, that margin? Because that actually is important. How on something else? Are you doing things that only feed the flesh or are you also doing things that feed your spirit? These are important things to look at in your life. Be discerning how you're living your life. But then as we put those things on there, here's the hard part. So you also got to be disciplined. It says, don't get drunk on wine, right? Which leads to debauchery, right? But instead, be filled by the Holy Spirit. That takes some effort. There's one thing to know the right thing to do and entirely other to actually do it. Would we agree? Yeah. So, so we had this great football game on Friday. Great football game. There were some beautiful parts. There were parts that just were so ugly, right? And here's the difference. When a player does what they're told to do and they know they're supposed to do it, amazing things happen. But if they take a play off, if they're on the field and they're like, oh, that's good, and they're just kind of in la-la land, right? They're on the field. They know what they're supposed to do, but they just kind of go through the motions. Bad stuff happens. It's like that in life. Oftentimes, we know the right thing to do. Do you know how many years I knew it was good for me to go exercise before I did it? I mean, years, not just like a little bit. It was years. And I kept watching my blood pressure go up, and my doctor kept telling me, Aaron, I'm going to have to put you on pills if you're not a good boy. And I was like, yeah, I'll get to it. And then he was going to put me on pills. <laughs> and that was scary. And I said, I don't want that. So I actually had to go and do something about it right? There is a change 
that has to take place in our life. You can have the best time schedule ever. You can have all the tasks you want, but if you just do whatever you want, you're still not going to live, right? You're still going to escape and life's not going to get better. You got to be disciplined, right? There is an effort to not getting drunk, not, not going into it. It says at least a debauchery, which means it means to doing too much, right? That we're just never going to be satiated by it. If you don't put your plan into practice, you will be stuck in where you're stuck now. You know what helps us to, to not get stuck and to make sure that we put our things into practice? Well, it's where our focus is, is that we have to be worshipful. It's not a mistake in here, and I think this is where the secular world misses it. Everything I've told you up to this point, you could find in a secular time management book, except for the talk about God, right? Everything else, because these are principles that just work, but this is where they miss. It says, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. You see, if you're trying to manage your life, your time, for your purposes, but you are the center of your universe, you are too small. You're not big enough to live for. And so you'll slowly die. But in the middle of this, we have this to be intentional, to be disciplined, right? To be, to be wise in how we're supposed to live because we don't just live for me and you don't just live for you. Do you understand that God made you? He has a purpose for you. You are crafted by God. He says, you are a masterpiece to him. You are not a mistake. You are not even here by mistake. You are by design that you are here. That he made it so that all of us would fit together to do his good works. When you just live for you, you're living so small. And that's not compelling. But God compels us with the greatest of things. We are undoing the kingdom of darkness now. We get to live with the power and the goodness and the love of God now. We get to have not just the human physical life, but the superhuman life now. Do you understand when you pray and you have God, you have a communion with, with the, the king of the universe who does stuff on our behalf. Think of every week. We have all these prayer requests. How many of those requests just miraculously happen? Like we're beating Vegas's odds daily and the world can't understand it, right? Because it's not about us and we're not in it alone. And God has called us to live a life that we can't live on our own. He's called us to do things that we can only accomplish if he's with us. And that's the evidence he's with us. And he proves it all the time. You see, when we get to the next part where it talks about family, it's, it's amazing. It says, husbands, die for your wives. Lay your life down for them. Why? Because it's not about you. It's about Christ. You love her because Christ loved you. Wives, submit to your husbands. Be, 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 a, be a helpmeet there. Don't be, because why? Because it's not about you. But because Christ loves you. And he's called you to better things. Children, obey your parents. Why? Most kids say. <laughs> because you're a child of God. Because who he is and the order he's made and he's made you for bigger things. And he doesn't work outside of his system. He works. And so it says, sing and make music of your heart to the Lord. You know that God is good. He didn't put you in this world so you could run on a perpetual rat race. That's not the way he is. That's what the enemy does. That's what the world does. God designed you to walk the eternal walk with his power and his glory. Right? He, he's given us this amazing, beautiful march to the kingdom. It, it's, it's an amazing way to live. Why in Scripture it says that's why we need to focus on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. 
Right? We, we keep our focus on Christ who has overcome. We remember that we're living for him and his glory. Now, here's the amazing thing. When we live for God, we begin to actually just start living according to our purposes, and we find fulfillment and joy because God is good. So we need to focus on God. Look at your life. Most of your things. Are you doing those things? Is God even in the picture as to why you do them? But if we look at our motivation, if we can see God in every part of our life, we're recognizing that our life starts to revolve around him. And then there's purpose. It's not just that I suffer in this life. I'm suffering for things. It's not just that there are blessings that happen in this life, but there's blessings that for purpose to be worshipful. It's one of the reasons we have to come together. You know you can't fulfill this command if you're not part of a church. It says, sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, right? But also, they're supposed to encourage each other with songs and hymns and spiritual songs. You can't do that by yourself because you have to have other people to be the, each other. The church is essential in this. What you're doing right now is essential to that. So give yourself a pat on the back. You've started it. You've already got this down. So be worshipful. But if we do that, we also got to be grateful. Because we need to remember who God is and that God is good and that everything is a gift. And when you live life with gratitude, it's entirely different than when you live it according to entitlement. The least happy people on earth, the most unhappy people on earth are the most entitled people on earth. Isn't that true? You know, I have folks who come to me and, and oftentimes they'll, they'll, they'll be struggling with just feeling overwhelmed and, and, and frustrated and, and they feel like the world is just so dark. You know, the first thing that I have them do is that every morning I say, get up and say thank you to God for five different things. Just gratitude. That seems so simple. It is powerful. And it's got to be something new, by the way. You just can't say thank you to God for the same five things because his mercies are new every morning. But you know what? There's a truth to that. It's not just a psychological trick. It's designed by God. It says we're supposed to worship him. But do you know that you always find what you're looking for? God designed you that way. It's what your brain is designed to do. You have this little filter on your, uh, on your brain called the reticular activator, and it sounds as cool as it is. It's the thing that helps us to filter out all the not necessary stuff so we can see the things that matter. It's why that you can hear the voice of a loved one in a crowded room. You filter out all the other voices because you're listening for them. It's why when you lost your car keys, your wife can find them for you, Right? <laughs> Because she got it more developed, right? Knows exactly what to look for, right? If you're going to want to buy a yellow truck, why everyone's driving a yellow truck now. They were already on the road before, but you didn't see them. Why? Because it was being filtered out, but now it's not. God designed us to find what we're looking for. And if you want to see what's wrong in your life, guess what you're going to find? What's wrong in your life? If you want to see the darkness in the world, if that's what you're looking for, guess what you're going to see? All the darkness. What gets filtered out? All the light. That's why in Scripture it says... We need to be careful. We need to think about good things. To think about what is pure and what is right, what is good, what is lovely, what is noble, what is, uh, what is admirable, what is pure. There's a reason Scripture tells us to, to take our thoughts captive because how you think is really how you're going to start to live. And this isn't like I'm projecting something into the universe and that's what makes me. It's that I'm going to start to see darkness in the world and that's going to make me a dark person. Or I'm going to start to see God's goodness in this world I'm going to start to be a worshipful person which makes me a better person. So start looking for God. You have a heart of gratitude. It says always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. That's what the word says there. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. And that's really easy when God gives you an ice cream cone, right? When, when the world is happy. But in the dark moments, when things like you're difficult, when God gives you a bitter cup to drink because there's a greater blessing at the other side, can we be like Christ? Who says, you know, I'd really prefer not to go to the cross, but your will be done. Praise to you. 
You know, I find that sometimes in the darkest moments, the most important thing is to look for the goodness of God. And I've gone through some dark moments. And it's easy to say, well, everything's dark. But you know what? If I have a heart of gratitude when I recognize that this life is not, God doesn't owe me anything. Not one more breath. In fact, he doesn't owe me any blessings or nothing because I've been kind of a stinker. So have you. But he gave me a son. He gave me his Holy Spirit. He gave me his Holy Word. He gave me his Holy Church. He gave me a life to live in this world. And that there might be some difficult parts in it because his Aaron be a good soldier, but I'm not going to abandon you. And if he's not going to abandon me, he's in it. So if I look for God even in the darkness, you know what I find? God, even in the darkness. Because we always find what we're looking for. So be worshipful, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. And who is that in? Christ Jesus. So we've got to be grateful. There are going to be bad things that happen in your life. I know I'm, I'm probably a shock to you. But when those things happen, remember that it didn't happen outside of the sovereignty of God nor outside of his ability to redeem. And that you're not there by accident. You're his agent. You're his child. He loves you. And maybe what he's doing in the midst of that is something that you can't even comprehend. But just be faithful. Be grateful that he's the only one who can redeem it. Because guess what? The pagans also go through dark times, but they don't have any redemption. You do. He works all things together for the good of those who love him or are called according to his purpose. Be grateful. Even this doesn't get the last word. God is doing good things even now in your life. Gratitude. Start each day. Thank him. In the difficulty, thank him, not for the difficult things, but how he's bigger than those difficult things. You're going to get the peace of God will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Be grateful. So, don't escape life. Don't go into this uncomfortably numb place to think, well, this world is so horrible. Why would we escape a gift? Do you know the very difficult things, the harshest things in the world that we go through become the points of greatest glory later? Wasn't it the cross that led to Jesus' glorification and, and the highest? When we get to heaven, you're not going to impress Moses by your best day. What's going to be impressive to the saints are going to be how God carried you through the difficult times, isn't it? That's the part that, that matters. So even the difficult things, recognize, be thankful that God is using them. And the good things, be thankful that God doesn't make our entire life difficult, that he loves you. But to live with this, to recognize that every day is a gift, why would I escape a gift? There's purpose in today. And God's given us the power and the ability and, the, and all the support we need. So we don't need to run away from it. And if we engage with it well, if we're, if we're wise, if we're thoughtful, if we engage well, then not only will, will we make the most of this opportunity, because these days can be evil and are, but I think you're going to find that you're going to have less of that kind of crisis, <laughs> right? Because we bring off a lot less of it in our lives by, by procrastinating and allowing those giant tarantulas to come and eat us as our heads are in the sand. So, escape escapism this way, by worshiping God with your time. If you want to escape this, this purposeless living, this numb kind of life, you need to begin by worshiping God with your time. Center your life, the time of your life around God, right? So what do we do? We start with faith. That's church. You're here. That's one of the reasons that God commands us to continue to meet together. We have to keep him in the middle. If you don't do that, you're going to be easy prey to lose sight of why you exist. <laughs> you're not going to have support you need, but honor God with the rest of your time. How about honoring God with your rest? To actually take some time to do things that are restorative. If you're not sleeping, for goodness sake, get some sleep. If you're starving your body of nutrients, go get a meal. 
right? Take a day off. You're not a slave. Trust God's goodness. Rest. Do the things that when you do, you actually are satiated and feel able to engage in life. But honor God in that. He's providing those things. But also let's manage our time with faithful purpose. Right? Look at how you're spending your day. That even though that some of you don't have to work for a living, you might be called retired, that doesn't mean you're done. You're still breathing. God has work for you. How are you spending your time? How are you spending your energy? What are you spending your efforts doing? Be intentional, discerning, disciplined, worshipful, grateful. And over this next five weeks, we're going to begin to apply those principles in some areas in Scripture we found that God has given us to live purposefully for. They're going to be things like family, which so coincidentally, contextually, happens to talk about next. But you know also there's friends that God has given you people in this world that we're supposed to like and live around, and we're a very lonely culture because we haven't made this intentional, but there's power and friendship. How about work? You know, Scripture talks a lot about work because it's a gift from God, and by, by being disciplined and being intentional about how we use our, our work, we actually can live for purposeful things more than just a paycheck. How about this community? You know, that God didn't just put us to be around just other Christians, but put us in the world surrounded by a lot of people who need to know the Lord? How are we making the most of that opportunity and serving the people in our community, living with purpose? And you know what? Another place, church, which is kind of the hub, and we'll talk about that too. So over the next few weeks, this is what we'll be talking about, how to live with purpose in the areas that God has given us purpose to live. But as we prepare ourselves for that, this week I want you to begin to just worshiping God with your time. So on your connection card, I've got some five points, the things that I'm going to challenge you to do. The first one is read the book of Ephesians. Why? I just preached on a section of it. You need to read it in context, and it's got a lot of great things, and it's not very long. Second thing you might want to do is to memorize Ephesians 5.15. Because it's our anchor verse for the series, you'll be ahead of the game if you just memorize it. But I think you're going to find this. The more you memorize God's word, the more you find it working its way into your thinking, and the more it's going to be applied. So take some time, say, I'm going to do it. I even gave you a memory verse card that you could take home so you can do this. Also, maybe your chef is you're going to say, you know what, Aaron? I'm going to start worshiping God with my time. I'm going to be intentional, right? I'm going to be discerning on how I'm spending my time, right? I'm going to be worshipful. I'm going to be grateful. And to say, you know, I'm really going to begin worshiping God with my time. And one of the ways you can do that, of course, is by making church uh, center in your, of your calendar. It's a, it's a rock. It's something that doesn't get added in when you've got time left over. But we worship God first. And so my challenge for you is be here the next five weeks. Make that a habit. Also, coincidentally, that's as long as the series is going to be, and you're going to learn how to live an intentional life, right? What that uh, helps you escape being uncomfortably numb. So make that commitment so that you can live with that wonderful discipline that frees us, gives us the power to live in this better way. Of course, if you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your first step, you can't worship God in your, with your time if you don't worship God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. He is the Savior. He came to save us from purposeless living. He came to save us from not just from our sins, but also from the death of those sins and give us eternal life, but not just like a hereafter great party, but a, a deep and abundant life even now that we wants to have uh, experience with you even today. And if you need to have that experience, you want to have purpose in your life that's bigger than you, then live for God. And if you have not made that step, you haven't been saved by God's grace, your faith in Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then I don't see why on earth you would leave today without doing that. That's the, it's the best thing you could ever do. And so what I'd like you to do, if that's you, uh, then I want you to come talk with me after the service. Uh, and me or Pastor Jesse, I mean, Colin would be happy to talk with you about it. The, but uh, how to take those steps of faith, how to be born again into God's kingdom, his child, to walk into not just life, but 
but a purpose-filled eternal life that's one of great joy. So if that's you, please come talk with us. But hopefully all of us have at least one step of faith that we need to take today. Put it on your connection card. We're going to take our offering in just a moment. Take those connection cards along with your tithes, your gifts, and drop that in the offering basket as we pass. Let me pray for you as you consider what, uh, what next step that you need to take uh, this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for the day. Lord, with all the joys and all of the sorrows, all the good things and, and all the difficult things, I'm grateful that you're the God over it all. And so in all these things, we can say thank you because you're working them all together for the good, even our good, but also for your glory and your kingdom. You're brilliant. You're not abandoned. You'll never leave us nor forsake us. That every breath that we have on this earth is an opportunity. But we don't want to waste it. So open our hearts and our minds and our eyes to Lord, to see you, to see your purpose. Free us from the escapism. Father, I pray that you'd bring a heavenly and a holy conviction to us on the things that we are escaping into so that they won't trap us any longer. Help us to make commitments today that draw us closer to you and to your purposes that you've given us for your life, Father. Father, I pray the effect of all of this is that we would live lives of great purpose, with great joy, with great gratitude for your glory. I pray all of this in the beautiful name of our Savior Jesus. Amen.